Hello again, and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we confess with uh, St. John saying, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're your hosts. I'm Thomas Limke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown. Back post-Thanksgiving for uh, for more in the Gospel. Yeah, we're, we're in the Advent section. Of yeah, the... for sure. So, so if I'm uh, more distracted or, or suddenly more advent in, in my discussions, I, I, I don't know if I should apologize or should say, yeah, here's the warning. Mm. So, All right, here's my random thought before we get into stuff. We're going to be in John chapter 9, starting at verse 24, right. where Jesus has healed a man who was born blind, and everyone's going crazy. How do we respond to this? He healed on the Sabbath. Oh, this is terrible. Do we need to add in some more wacky FMDJ sound effects? To make make the podcast more catchy, sure. And that was totally random. <laughs> I, I mentioned that. Oh, I just I, I don't know. We could almost try and do it like a morning show. Hey there, guy. <laughs> the spring sounds and the and the wacky foley effects. Yeah. Eh. Welcome to Yuma's best rock. It's the religious <laughs> podcast hour. I don't know. So, but all right. That that was just my random thing to like come at you from sideways before we dive in. Excellent. All right, cool. Well, with your permission, I will read verse 24 and following. Much better than a cool soundboard is the word of God. You say that with some some, uh, hesitation in your voice there. Oh, no, this is just, I'm tired and got a party tonight. (laughs) There will be much wacky sound effects at the party, that, that I can assure you. All right. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now, how is that for a biased start to the conversation? All right, we want you to glorify God. And how are you supposed to glorify God? By throwing this Jesus guy under the bus. (laughs) Because this is the conclusion we want to reach. The conclusion that we, we've come to is Jesus is a jerk. A- and and the only way you can glorify God is by uh, reinforcing our preconceived notions that Jesus is indeed a jerk. So give glory to God by telling us what a jerk he is. Sounds fair. Now, while this might sound odd at first, this is almost implausible. Um Seen any discussions about Christianity online or out in the world today? Holy cow. I mean, think about how often you have the preconceived notions of what Christianity should be that are completely detached from the reality of what the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. Because here's the parallel I'm going to make. I mean, they're, they're not looking at what has happened. They're looking at what they want to have happened. Likewise, so often when people deal with, I'm putting up air quotes, Christianity, they deal with preconceived notions of what they'd like spirituality or or religiosity to be, irregardless of what the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. So, So what the Pharisees are doing here, while it sounds utterly bizarre, we get a real close parallel that we see all the time. Definitely. I mean, think just just pay attention to that when you hear narratives about this is Christianity. Is it tied to anything that the Word of God says? Is it tied in any way to things that happened in factual basis? Or is it just, no, we're going to make stuff up? 
And the guy's answer is great. Whether he's a sinner, I, I don't know. I, hey, I was blind. I wasn't watching what he was doing before this morning. <laughs> I, I'm not the guy. I'm not the private eye. I was the cl- closed eye. Right, right. I don't know what he's done, but I was blind. Now I see. So you know, I, I'm kind of gonna be. I don't know, predisposition to be favorable toward the fellow, but, but <laughs> I, I, hey, 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 he could be a sinner, and I just couldn't know, but ain't got nothing to do with me. There you go. All right. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Now, he ratchets up his reply. Do you want to become his disciples too? I told you. Why don't you listen? Why is he getting angry? Well, at having to repeat himself, I'm sure, but he's also being pressured into a really hard situation that's unfair in the extreme. This, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This is an attempt to implicate him mm-hmm. in whatever bad stuff Jesus is doing. Because mm-hmm. if they've determined that Jesus is the enemy, if you're not with us saying that Jesus is bad, you must be in cahoots. Gotcha. So what did he, so basically they're they're pressuring him. They're trying to to. Well, he called down Beelzebub and it heals my eye. I mean, they're 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 trying, <laughs> and, and he's not gonna put up with it. Because again, here's the situation. These are the great respected religious leaders but they aren't acting in a respectable fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost as though he's been pulled behind the curtain into the, 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 the smoky room, infighting, backstabbing stuff. And man, I don't want to have, I, I didn't have my eyes open to see all this junk. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's, he's pushing back against them really yeah. hard. So that idea of what, what you want to become his disciple? That is some good snark. That is some <laughs> good sarcasm. So, all right. Any other thoughts there? Uh, the juxtaposition between him saying in his previous statement, I was blind, now I see, and then saying, I told you already, but you won't listen. Going back to you know what you like to talk about with idols and whatnot is, is interesting to me. I know I was blind, guys. Are, are you deaf? <laughs> I, I mean, it, he he's getting feisty. Because again, remember, he's been brought on a second time. Uh-huh. They've already, and not only that, he's brought on the second time because after he talked to them the first time and they didn't like what he said, they started putting pressure on his parents. Mm, right. To the point where basically his parents almost basically said, we're, we're washing our hands of the kids. So it's not just that they're, they're annoying. They're really messing with his family, his support structure. Yeah. If he was blind, don't you think he was getting some support from his parents, especially in a culture where if he's born blind, it's probably our fault. So we better help him. So Had I mean, to be. They're, they're really messing with this guy, taking what should be the greatest day of his life and kind of raining on his parade kind of hard. For sure. Well, that's a good way to look at it, too. Yeah. So, so he's getting punchy. It's kind of fun. Nice. So. All right. Uh, and they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 
Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So, so basically they say, hey, hey, we, we follow Moses. You must be this guy's disciple. You're a jerk. We're not going to listen to anything <laughs> you say. We, we, don't even, we don't know this guy's credentials. Oh, this is just terrible. And the guy says, when he says, this is an amazing thing. We should get the, we should hear that in a, an utterly sarcastic, snarky way. This is all like, wow, my mind is blown. <laughs> because, I mean, you don't know where he comes from, and yet he could open my eyes. And, 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 and we know as good Jewish folks that God doesn't listen to sinners, but, but you know what? Apparently God listened to this one. Mm-hmm. And yet you're assuming, whoa, you're, you're blowing my mind with this <laughs> awesome perspective you have. I, I mean, no one's done this before, and you assume he must be evil rather than a holy man from God. So, <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> do, do you get just how how it, it's not even defined? It's almost disdainful. Mm-hmm. He is. It, it. This is an intellectual mopping of the floor. Right now, I I want to tie in. I, I think I brought this up a little bit last time. Do you see why Nicodemus came to Jesus at night to try to feel him out? For sure. Because if this is the the way they're dealing with a guy who was born blind and healed, how do you think they would deal with one of their own who actually is thinking about maybe I should be a disciple of Jesus? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is some... You want, you want to talk about negative peer pressure? Well, here you go. And basically, if you want to think about this way, they're basically trying to bully the guy into calling Jesus a rat. Mm-hmm. And he won't be bullied. And so, here's their ending. 34. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Now, note, do we have Jesus casting things out? For sure, all the time, yeah. Demons. What's he cast out? Cast out demons all the time. Same word that they use. Okay. But why do they cast this fellow out? They can't bear to hear anything good about Christ. So they that's it. We we you were born in utter sin. You were born blind. So we know you were bad. And you're gonna teach us? You've got nothing you can teach us. Well, why did they bring him back and ask to talk to him a second time? Clearly they wanted to learn what he had to say. <laughs> so I mean th- that's this, fair. Th- this is is really their 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 plans, their preconceived notions are being utterly frustrated, and it's all blowing up in their face, and they're freaking out. Now, does that often happen when, when we have our plans, and I know I'm going to do stuff, and someone points out to us that, well, no, what you want to do is stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we always respond calmly and rationally to this revelation? No, the human tendency is towards uh, defensiveness, for sure. What we see here in the Pharisees is hyper-defensiveness that, that cuts them off from, from really taking a rational, calm look at what's going on, what has happened, to the point where even when there is a fantastic miracle, it's not something to celebrate. It's something to fear. It's something to be afraid of. Do you, do you see how just how, how messed up, how topsy-turvy everything is? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> all right. Well, actually, mm-hmm. we, we've got just a few minutes before the break. 
And I think it would be good to consider, again, just parallels for life in the world. For sure, How yeah. deal with social interaction. Um, I, looking at this, I, I really do see a, a tie to, I, I think back to when I was in school, when I was in social situations, even in seeing how groups communicate in Facebook as an adult, think of how often there is that group think, that group pressure, that that if someone shouts loud enough, this this person is bad, everyone else kind of just jumps on them. Mm-hmm. Conversely, what is the Eighth Commandment? Well, you cough. Uh, thou shalt not bear false witness. And what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not lie, blah, 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 blah. But right. defend our neighbor, speak well of it, and I learned it, put the best construction on things. Modern one is explain everything in the kindest way. Mm-hmm. Think about this whole discussion in terms of how do you deal when the group attacks someone? The guy, the blind man, he's the only one who defends Jesus. He explains things in the kindest way. I don't know if he was a sinner. I was blind, now I can see. And so, hey, I'm going to cut the guy some slack. Be wary of the group attack pack mentality. All right, folks? Sounds good. There's your warning for the day. And there's old Pastor Brown wagging the finger. All right. <laughs> Let's go to break. And we're back to the Gospel Boldly podcast where we are approaching the end of John 9. And we have been got we've gotten through one of the, the, the bizarrest conversations back and forth where just the the hypocrisy and the the brute squad group think nasty peer pressure tactics of the Pharisees come shining to the fore against a, a, a man who was born blind who Jesus healed. And uh well, now we're going to move on and see some interaction between Jesus and this fellow. So, uh, Thomas, you want to jump on in with verse 35? Let's do it. All right. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? All right. I, I, I want to emphasize the one thing here that, that is big. Who finds whom? No, Jesus finds the blind man. When the guy is cast out, he doesn't go on this massive quest to, I gotta find God. No. Jesus comes to him. Seeing that he's been put in trouble hearing this, well, hearing that he's been put in trouble, Jesus comes and finds him. This is, again, emblematic. We are the Christian faith, and the Christian faith teaches not that we go to find God, but rather that God comes to us and finds us. I was lost, but now am not found. I find Jesus, <laughs> I am found. That's past passive, God yes. comes to us. All right. And so Jesus comes up to him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy gives a great answer. He's full of those. He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Now, no. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. He says, can you explain? Ooh, this is almost Columbo tactic S. <laughs> I, I, I mean, but... Whoa, whoa. What exactly are you talking about? Can you explain to me what's going on? I don't get what's going on. What? 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 Do you, who is the Son of Man? What? What's going on? And Jesus answers. 
Uh, Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Now, I love Jesus' answer. You've seen him. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, let, let's emphasize that, that, that healing, and, and I'm speaking to you. He, he's the one... He, it is he who is speaking to you, was the great happy way, uh, fancy Greek way of saying, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm him. But there's that emphasis upon the word. How do we encounter God? How does God come to us? How does he deal with us? Through the word, through that which is spoken. We... God comes to us in his word. That's awesome. Same way he comes to this guy here. And his response, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Actually, uh, I like the Greek order first. I believe, comma, Lord. So again, you get this, I, I get it, son of man. That was prophetic language for the Messiah. I believe you are the Lord. You are God come to win salvation good. You're not just a sinner. <laughs> Far from it. You are the Lord. And he worships. Not hard to put two and two together. Look, this this, this guy is doing all the God things that God said he was going to do. Therefore, he's God. I worship. Yay. Nice. Thoughts, questions there? Not yet. All right. 39. Great verse. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. It's interesting how Jesus defines judgment here. I came so that the blind can see. When Jesus healed the blind man so he could see, the blind man was judged. Mm -hmm. He was given sight, he has faith, and was judged to be righteous. You are a believer. You are a child of God. That was made evident. Likewise, the ones that everyone would assume could see, like the Pharisees, were shown to be what? Blind. 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 By their interaction, it could show they can't see their way out of a bucket. <laughs> I mean, it's almost worse than blind. Their, their vision is almost backwards. At least a blind man will trust his ears. The, they're seeing and creating the exact opposite of what they've seen. It, it, it's worse than blindness. Mm -hmm. Of course, when Jesus says this, it gets back to the Pharisees, 40 and 41, if you would. Okay. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now, does your, your Bible have a little footnote in 41 by no guilt? Mm-hmm. Yep, it says the Greek is, uh, you would not have sin. It, uh, and this is a big one. Think about it. The whole discussion has been, Jesus is a sinner. Oh, this man born blind. Who was the sinner? His, his mom or, or, or him? If you were born blind, you would have no sin. This man wasn't born blind because of sin. He was born blind so that I might be glorified. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. 
if you're going to make it about what you do, how great you are, it's about me and how awesome I am, then hang, you're hanging on to your sin. When you understand that it is Christ who comes to take away sin and put it to death on the cross and rise to give new life, then there is no sin. The guy born blind's got none because I've taken it away. He is forgiven. Mm-hmm. You and your stubbornness are going to cling to your sin. All right. You want to hang on to your sin so you can point, point the finger at other people and talk about how evil they are and what sinners they are? Well, hang on to your own sin then. Uh, not a good idea, but if you're <laughs> hell-bent on doing it, well, you're hell-bent. There you go. So do you see how that's kind of a profound way to wrap up and clip? I have no idea you would have no guilt. Why would they translate? Ah, harumph. No idea. All right. But do you like how that's a, a uh, great way of wrapping up the, uh, the the whole slew of John 9? Definitely. All right. Any other questions? Thoughts? No. I, well, let me see here. I, I do wonder, you know, Jesus has said in previous chapters that he judges no one. The Father in heaven judges. And, of course, here Jesus is saying that he has come. Uh, well, for judgment, I came into this world. I suppose that doesn't necessarily mean he's judging, but the Father's judgment. This is one of the things. Okay. Is it Jesus walks up to them and says, you guys are miserable sinners? No, that does not happen here. But when Jesus shows up, what happens? They bring about condemnation upon themselves. Okay. So it's more not that he is the one doing the the, the judging, but rather he's the catalyst that 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 reveals everything that 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 makes it blunt and obvious to anyone who's not utterly blind what's going on okay cool so so it's it's more along that lines it, uh the the four judgment is actually ice crema towards the judgment i come when i come it pushes everything towards the end towards the judgment and these folks reaction against me Shows their judgment. Gotcha. Does that does that kind of work? Yep. All right. Well, All right. Let's move on to to John chapter ten. Oh. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Pause. Who's the you he's talking to here? This is something I hadn't really thought about because, I mean, this text come up all the time. That This is the I am the good shepherd. Yeah. Truly, truly, I say to you, who's the you he's talking to? The Pharisees that are the antecedent here in the previous sentence. The fair, and not just Pharisees in general, Pharisees who are griping and complaining about him. Mm-hmm. This is a polemical statement. It's not just, I'm going to paint a pretty picture. No, I'm going to show you blind folks just how blind you are. Truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way is a thief and the robber. You guys aren't wanting to come into this position of religious authority feeding the sheep. You want to pick on the sheep. You spent the whole time picking on on two parents who were were miserable and a blind man. You know what that makes you? If if you aren't tending the sheep but rather are picking on them, what are you? thief and a robber Mm -hmm. okay but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he has brought out all his own 
he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, think about this. What has Jesus just done? He's found the blind man, talked to him, and the blind man has recognized the Lord. Mm -hmm. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. Ooh, you guys are supposed to be the gatekeepers of Israel, but you're messed up. Ooh. The sheep hears voice. He calls his own sheep. He leaves them out. Not cast them out. Doesn't kick them out. He leaves them out. He's brought out his own. He goes before them and they follow him for they know his voice. How's it going to be? Are you raiding the flock? That that word for robber, uh, lesteros, uh, lesteres, you could almost translate it terrorist. I mean, it's not just stealing, but it, but it's the being a jerk about it and causing mayhem. I mean, it's one thing if someone comes into your house and and quietly sneaks out and, and takes some stuff. Mm-hmm. It's another thing if they trash the place and then take some stuff. I mean, th- that that's almost more the... Think about the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay. They don't just rob the guy, like bind him and take his... They beat the tar out of him, too. That, yep. That's what a robber... That, it, it's, it's aggravated robbery. <laughs> right. I, I, that, that's that idea. You guys are aggravating things. Look, I'm just coming, talking, people recognize and hear. So, and then five and six. Okay. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So uh, what did the parents in the last chapter do? Did they uh, eagerly listen to the Pharisees or did they flee from them? There was, yeah, there was a lot of running going on. What Was the guy eager to, to answer the questions or was he ready to get on out of Dodge? Now I'm sure did, did, the relief came when they kicked him out, for sure. <laughs> and, and so Jesus is basically saying... You guys are are robbers. You're th- you're 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 terrorists. And and up, oh, Jesus used the figure of speech. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. No, no, no. You can't honestly be trying to criticize us because we are that awesome. This, this is one of the things to to just watch out for in general. A sign you've gone off the deep end. When you assume that what you do, oh sinful person, must be right, and that anyone who criticizes you has to be off base, a priori, regardless of what they say. And that's what you have here. We, they can't understand him because they are just utterly sure that they are right in all that they do. And once you get to that point, that's when you've become a danger to yourself and to others. Always have a bit of humility. Always have that reflection. Because you know what? We're not Jesus. Anything we do, there's going to be flaws in it. It's going to be imperfect. So if I if I approach them and say, there's no way this podcast could ever be better, well, then <laughs> I've become an idiot. So, all right. As anyone listening knows, there's plenty of ways this podcast <laughs> could be better. So, all right. Well, let's get ready for I'm coughing now. Let's get ready for a break. And, and, and something that probably should be better than it will be the Inquisition. All right. Now begins... 
the Inquisition. The Inquisition. What a show. The Inquisition. Here we go. We know you're wishing that we'd go away. But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay. Oh, boy. The Inquisition. And we're back to that part of the show that we try to at least call most of the time the Inquisition, <laughs> where where we get put to the test. As a reminder, if any of you guys are so inclined, seriously, drop us a line, ask us stuff, leave a message on Facebook, leave comments, what have you. Eh, it's all good. We'll answer. But I think we're going to ask each other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Thomas, I'm going to request that you ask first, because I want to answer first, and then I'll get around to answering your stuff. I'm not giving you the option, because... Because I, I pounded my fist. I don't know if that came up, but I, I just <laughs> like it. So, all right. So be it. Okay. So, my question then, uh, coming somewhat from what we've just read, you get a lot of this imagery in scripture. This is Old and New Testament of the shepherd and the sheep, God and his flock, God and his people. You also get it in the Christian church when you, you know, talk about pastors and, and of course, the origins for that word and whatnot. Why is that? Why is this such a, I, I don't know if I should say vivid, because those of us who aren't shepherds, maybe it's not as vivid as it could be, but why is it such an oft-used and repeated strain in Scripture, this analogy? It's interesting that it gets used so much. And we have somewhat romanticized it. I mean, think about it. If you see the picture of 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 Jesus, the good shepherd, you might have one at your church, and it's there's Jesus holding a kindly sheep, and the sheep is all nice and clean and fluffy. Thomas, in the ancient world, mm-hmm. where did shepherds rank on the totem pole of stuff? Well, uh, I can just think of, of I know the, the Egyptians in particular thought that herdsmen and shepherds in particular were just the dirtiest mobsters of all time. <laughs> if Mike Rowe lived 3,000 years ago and they were doing the dirty job show, shepherd would be the one that came on up. Yeah. Uh, in, 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 the, in Jesse's family, seven sons, which one gets to be the shepherd? The youngest. Why? Bottom of the totem pole. The lousiest job. Everything so, yes. else is taken. Because again, we 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 have a romantic idea of what it is to be a shepherd. The mm. Latin word for shepherd is pastor. We have romantic music, classical music, pastorals. Da 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 da. da. You know what it is being a shepherd? You're stuck out in the wind and the rain and the elements with sheep. And what are <laughs> sheep? I hate to say this, guys, because, I mean, we get compared to sheep. Sheep are kind of dumb. I I mean, this is one of the things where you can let other animals kind of go on their own and just come back and check on them. Mm -hmm. Like, like if if you've got cattle. Yeah. You you can just kind of put the cattle out to pasture and then, like, come back and round them up. Right. You you can't do that with sheep. Sheep are dumb. Sheep will get themselves killed. (laughs) Um, In fact, uh, some of the, the agricultural science type folks will say, yeah, basically we've domesticated sheep so badly that they're too stupid to live on their own. Nice. So the image we have of pastor and sheep are the dirty, yucky job that no one wants and the stupid folks. <laughs> and you know what? That's actually not a bad way to describe the church. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Because what are we in our sin? We're like the stupid folks who mm -hmm. need constant supervision. And you know what? Being a pastor is a humble job. When we talk about Jesus being the, and, and this will be something that will come on up, I'm sure, in a bit, when we talk about Jesus being the good shepherd. That's sort of like saying, I'm the good trash collector. That wouldn't be the image that you would want. I am the good sewer cleaner. I am the good chimney sweep. Okay, maybe if you like Mary Poppins, you'll, you'll oh, yay, good, happy Dick Van Dyke. No, if you were good, you would have a better job. It's almost the expectation. Gotcha. And so, so what you really have here is imagery that reminds us of God's humility and our own need our own lack we 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 don't say all right my 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 church you're a pride full of lions and go off and eat the world no it's like <laughs> eh, you're sheep and, and what happens like a lamb is led to the slaughter uh -huh. we're, we're, we're what's for dinner <laughs> um, so so it really is we have that pervasive imagery, but we should remember, too, that it's one that's meant to remind us of our own humility and our Lord's humility and his care for us. He doesn't come as the conquering hero. He comes as the guy who comes and gets his hands dirty mm -hmm. to save us, to tend us, because, good night, that's what we need. All right, that cool. work? Yes. All right. All right, Here, here's my, my question for you, and it's going to be something just for you to kind of—, of meditate upon, wax on, riff off of. Mm, okay. Um, we just had Black Friday Yep. and Cyber Monday. Mm -hmm. In fact, today is Giving Tuesday, apparently. First time I heard of that. Hmm. Where, where apparently we're supposed to make up for all our greed from the weekend and, and, and donate something to charity. Okay. This season, coming out of Thanksgiving, rolling in towards the whole general Christmas holiday season, seems to be a time when, culturally speaking, we get lots of greed put forth mm -hmm. and also lots of guilt. Mm -hmm. How do we navigate that as Christians? Shoo, isn't that what, the question what, of the day? What should we remember when it comes to, to looking at, at the holiday season and this time of year and all that? How do we manage those two big thrusts of of? greed and guilt what what advice would you give to, to folks who are confronted by that by society by their friends by what have you well i okay on the one hand this touches on something that you've mentioned in very recent episodes which is the mob think and how as a culture we all tend to shift as a bunch of water in a bucket from one end sloshing to the other all together um what i would say is this is something i was speaking with my wife about recently to me, some of these things come down to, uh, and this is uh, kind of a, a corollary, I guess, an issue of bandwidth. Um, a couple hundred years ago, all the news you heard in your life, I, I've heard this statistic anyway, all the news you heard in your life prior to uh, modern electronics, the telegraph was you know, one of the big ones. Prior to that, the news you had in your entire life was worth maybe one New York Times paper. Now, I'm not sure how accurate that is, but certainly the amount of news, the amount of information, the amount of opinions you were subject to, that you were exposed to, was dramatically less than it is today. And I think one of the things that happens in our connected age is you get bombarded by ads constantly, you get bombarded by uh, family members constantly, 
because now you can you can actually go across the country and visit family members, and so you get guilted for not doing that because it's it's something that can happen. So there's there's an issue of bandwidth where there's just too much coming at once, and it's easy for us to get caught up in that. So the answer from my position to your question is, in order to resist that, or in order to I guess navigate that, a really good idea: turn off the TV, close the laptop. Meditate on God's word with your spouse. Do some Advent devotionals. There's some great ones, I'm sure, at, at your church. You can grab a little little book. Pastor, you have some at yours, right? Yep. Yeah, those little Advent devotional books, those are great. Have some quiet time and, and meditate on that because that's not only is that good time well spent in the word, it's also good time well spent away from the crazy things that are coming in. And uh, I, I think you'll feel more at peace this holiday season for it. There's a reason why high, Higher Things does their daily reflection. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that, that, that's a really good answer. I mean, take some time to, to turn off from all the, the talking heads and screaming voices and look at what the Word of God says. Um, <clears throat> one thing, just on that whole idea of bandwidth, this came up at Bible study. Yeah. Um, one of my, my favorite factoids Statistically, in the 1950s, school shootings and teen pregnancy were more common than they are today. Really? Per capita or per you know, amount of population and stuff? Yeah, per capita. Huh. You were more likely to experience a school shooting in the 50s. The difference is you didn't hear about it all the time. It right. wasn't the first lead on the nightly news. And, and if something happened in the back of beyond it might show up in the news in the back of beyond or maybe in the, <laughs> the, the state capital. Right. But, but it wasn't national news. And, and so what happens so much of, of our perception of the world is colored by just how much more information we get. Exactly. I, I love pointing out to the folks, especially because, because now the, the older generations were the kids in the fifties. Like, yeah, statistically speaking, you guys were worse than kids today. What? <laughs> I hate to say it, but I mean, that's the way it happened. Yeah. And so a lot of it is what information we take in colors our our perception of reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure you're pausing and and make sure you're getting the word of God in. So, all right. Cool. Shall we jump back a little bit more into the Good Shepherd and John 10? Yeah, we've got time. Let's do it. So verse 7 then. So Jesus again said to them, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, note, we get twice the ego and me, the I am, the, mm-hmm. the Jesus using the divine name. I'm the door of the sheep. Um, the point here is the way you get into the, the pen the way you are brought into the church is only Christ. And that's if you're trying to deal with the church apart from Christ, if you're trying to deal with God's people apart from Christ, you're up to no good. Um, dare, dare I criticize like your, your, your televangelist who, who, well, you know, ooh, we should try this on the podcast. We really need for the, the Gospel Boldly podcast a luxury jet. Mm. That, that way sure. Thomas and I could fly up and do this face-to-face. It'd be so great for the show. So we need to raise $15 million, so please write your... Ch- 
Does that have anything to do with Jesus? <laughs> Nothing whatsoever. Is that coming through the door to the sheep? No, no, no. That that's the way of robbers and thieves. Yep. And what are what are the the Pharisees doing? They're basically making their their social living and standing on the backs of the church. Yeah. If you read ten, and we'll pause, and I think ten will probably be good to stop, and then we'll pick up with eleven next time. All right. The thief comes only to steal, excuse me, steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now note that contrast. How do you view the sheep? What's the point of the sheep? Are they a resource just to be used up? And hey, if they're not even your sheep, even the better to use them up. Yeah. Uh, well, think think about that. The the the. There was a rich man who had pastors, and there was the poor man who had the one little lamb. And and when the rich guest came to the rich man, he went and stole the poor man's sheep. Oh, he, this is what yep. Jesus is playing off of here. Good point. No, no, no. When I come. I come so the sheep may have life and have it abundantly. And so, so it, it's a matter of I, I come to undo death and send all the things, the rain that falls upon the sheep, the things that make being a shepherd lousy out in this lousy fallen world. I come to fix that, not to profit off of it. And it's just that, that great giant contrast. And again, Jesus is saying all this to the Pharisees, the ones who are being bad, false, lousy leaders. So you guys should have been shepherds. You haven't been. Ooh, ooh. Do you see why Jesus gets killed? I mean, for sure. So, all right. Well, we're going to pause. Next week, we'll start up with what's normally the pericope for the for Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh, John uh, 10, starting at 11 through 16. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the great I am, Shepard. We'll talk more about sheep next time, I'm sure. So. Definitely. All right. Cool deal. All right. See you next time.